0: Today, we're going to continue in week four of our series on the seven deadly sins. And if you've missed weeks one, two, or three, make sure to go back on our YouTube and watch it. Our team's done such a great job and it's been a really, really good series. Uh, but Jess, what are we talking about today? Okay. So if you guys remember a couple weeks ago, Pastor Chuck mentioned that when he speaks on this topic, church attendance tends to trend down. So we're glad that and you're we're with us glad today. glad that you're here with us. Let's all go ahead and welcome up our senior pastor, Chuck Boer. And welcome, welcome, welcome. Super excited we get to be together, whether you're online, in the building, on the patio, that we get to share time together. And we love, love, love that you're here and you're with us. All right. So what happened is... uh, Some years ago, not that many years ago, actually, uh, Ricky and Talia Murray wanted to uh, give a gift to my wife, Pam, and Ricky in particular was super excited to give this gift, and the kids were excited to give this gift, and so what happened is that we're more excited than ever, and Pam is opening it and opening it, and out pops this. Now, I know most of you probably know what this is. I had never seen one before. This was my discovery of the amazing Yeti. The Yeti. Anybody else love Yeti? Okay, am I? I can't be the only one. So, of course, Pam being Pam decides to bling it out, which means I will never use this thing. But I discovered this is like the most amazing cup ever because it keeps cold drinks colder, hot drinks hotter. And then my favorite part of it all is that it doesn't sweat. You know, like when you have a drink in it, you can set it down. No mark, nothing. And so I began to go on my Yeti quest. And so what happened is we went from our one Yeti to getting all of this. Yeah, so I have two coolers. I have two buckets. I have all these cups. I have to be honest with you. I have three dog bowls uh, that are Yeti dog bowls. And I think I have five or six other cups than that. Now, where I'm going is, this tells you something about me. You see, when you begin to understand who you are, I think many of us want to know what is the thing behind the thing. Why do we do what we do? Why do we act the way we act? Why do we say the same thing we say? The answer to that question you had to have used one time or another. Where did that come from? Man, why did I think that? Why did I say that? Why did I do that? And so some people are impulsive, some people are obsessive, and then there are some of you who are like me I'm compulsive. I'm not really impulsive, and I'm not really obsessive, but I very, very much am a compulsive personality. And in the midst of that, it feeds into a sin that is the thing behind the thing. And that's where, when you look at the seven deadly sins, they help you discover a lot about who you are and how the battle you need to fight and win so you can see God take that very horrible, deadly sin and turn it into what we call a cardinal virtue. Now, what is my deadly sin? gluttony. Hi, I'm Chuck. I'm a glutton. I am. I am. You know, is it wrong to have these things? No, it's not wrong to have them. Here's what's wrong about it when I have to have more. When, see, the greedy person says, mine, mine, mine. The gluttonous person says, more, more, more. Because what happened is, this is not enough when I discovered this came on the market. And, and so I'm like, I got to have another one. By the way, Pam finally said, where are we going to put all these things? And I said, I'll get rid of some of your stuff. <laughs> but that's what I don't want you to miss out on. You see, the goal of this series is to understand that God can take your greatest sin and make it your, your, your shining virtue. God can take the weakness that you have within you, that defect you have within you, and, and turn it into the best strength ever. You just got to let God take that and make transformation happen. And in Ecclesiastes 7.29 it says this, And the wisest man who's ever lived except for Jesus said, but I did find this. God created people to be virtuous. So don't miss that. God did not create you to fail. God did not create you to sin. God created you to be virtuous. And it says, but there's a problem. They have each turned to follow. And I want you to key it on these two words, their own downward path. You see, you have your own unique downward path. You have your own unique battle that hopefully you're fighting. Hopefully you're fighting and not giving in to it. And so what we need to understand is you have your own unique thing that is the thing behind the thing. And so what is that inclination? What is that sin? And like I told you, for me, it's gluttony. What's the definition of gluttony? This is very interesting. Gluttony... It's not just excess eating. It is excess eating. But gluttony is uh, overindulging, habitual greed, excess in anything, by the way, and then excess in eating. So it does have to do with eating. But I want to say this. While you could look at me, and I know you can look at me and see that's my battle. I want to say some of you are skinny and you're hiding your deadly sin of gluttony. You know, you could hide it. You could try to get away from it. So you might say, well, Pastor Chuck, where would I see it? I might see it if I saw your credit card statement, right? I might see it if I saw the toys you have at your house. I might see it when we go out to eat. I might see it in lots of different ways, but what I want you to know, again, is it's that idea of more, more, more. And so gluttonous people, by and large, have something that that is not obviously in some, but maybe obvious in others, and here's what it is, emptiness. You see, it really is the fact that you're empty inside, I'm empty inside, so I got to fill it up. Uh, when does gluttony get me the most? In my case, it's when I'm bored. Anybody else, when you get bored, it's like, I'm bored. So I better go to Amazon and buy something. Do I need it? No. Uh, I might need to eat more. I might need to have that second helping. I might need to have that third helping. Um, it's, it's the idea that there's something empty inside. And I want to tell you something I know is 100% true. That God loves you, and God loves me, and when he made us, he made us with a God-sized void that only he can fill. And uh, that's true. The good news is he's willing to fill it. Uh, Matter of fact, there's a a verse in Psalm where it was George Mueller, who's one of the, the great leaders of the Hall of Fame of Faith, said this. He said his favorite verse is in Psalms where it says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. But the only thing that's going to fill you up, the only thing that's going to satisfy in the end is the Lord. And so you and I need to understand that. But gluttonous people try to fill the emptiness with lots of other things. And so it could be food. It could be uh, excessive things. It could be uh, that next, next project that you have to have. Uh, It could be any of those things. But we're a society where this deadly sin is truly a deadly sin. Proverbs 23, verse 19 says this. It says, listen, my son, and be wise. Direct your heart in the way. Do not be with heavy drinkers of wine or with gluttonous eaters of meat, for the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty, and drowsiness will clothe one with rags. And then he says, he just wants you to know that there's a pain there. There's a, 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 a devastation there that comes. You see, in the midst of feeding the gluttony, it wears you out. It takes away your vitality. And so the Lord says, Don't be with people who do that. Now, I think that's very interesting. Uh, that what God is saying is, Don't be with them when they're doing that. You might say, Why? Well, let me give you a couple reasons why God would tell you that. Uh, number one, it's infectious. See, what happens is they're doing it, you begin to want to do it. As they excuse it, you begin to excuse it. Maybe you don't go to the level they go to, but all of a sudden you find yourself not putting yourself in check the way you should. Um, I have a very good friend, and and he would not mind me sharing this at all with you, but all his life he struggled with overeating. I mean, overeating, overeating, overeating. Uh, But he has a magnetic personality um, he, uh, by the way, is, when I say he's a genius, there is no doubt he's a genius. Man, one of the best minds I've ever been around, sharp. Uh, he, he's, he got his PhD very, very quickly, came very easy to him. Um, always had lots of friends anyway. Uh, uh, because of his weight, that actually made him better at sports, even though he was extremely overweight. And then one day the doctor looked at him. And said, I've I, I got to be honest, I'm surprised you're even alive. He was so overweight, over 400 pounds. And the doctor said, I think you're going to die very, very soon. I mean very soon. His wife was in that appointment and she began to cry and she looked at him and she said, Honey, this is my greatest fear. She said, I don't know if you know this, I can't sleep at night. I lay there next to you wondering if you're still breathing. I, I put my hand under your nose to see if you're still with me. I don't want to lose you. I don't want our kids not to grow up without, with, without I don't want them to grow up without you. And she said, please change, please change, please change. And uh, like many people, he made a commitment to do it and failed, made a commitment and failed. Now, where I want you to know is that one time I went to visit him, he's a professor at a college, And like I said, he has this magnetic personality, and he drew all these young guys to be in his discipleship group. And I remember sitting there one day looking, and every single guy in his discipleship group was extremely overweight. They weren't all overweight when they started. But as they went out to eat together and talk about the word together and do all those things together, slowly but surely, the weight started going on. And uh, that finally became his wake-up call. By the way, today, my friend is at the right way he should be. But he opened his eyes. Yeah, praise God for that. He opened his eyes to his wife's fear and the pain he was inflicting on others. And so the Bible says, don't be around people like that. Uh, And and you might say, okay, the overeating is one to avoid. Let me give you another one. When you know someone's overly in debt and they go out to eat and they can't afford it, don't go with them. Uh, When you know that, that, you know what, they're overly in debt and they're buying stuff they shouldn't buy, don't be with them when they do that. Because it's infectious, but it also is this, it's not caring. That's the other reason God says, don't be with them in that moment. It's not caring to do that. Uh, I have a friend who, uh, when he uh, uh, met the girl he would marry, uh, he fell deeply in love with her. And and this is going to be a shock to some of you. Her father, who by the way, was a very godly man, said, uh, uh, I want to warn you not to marry my daughter. He said, you know, I want your permission. He said, I want to tell you, I care about you too much. Don't marry her. Could you imagine a dad saying that? Here's why. She was obsessive compulsive when it came to spending. And he said, you are going to find this to be the curse of your life. You're going to find this to be something that will wear you out. And, and, and my friend uh, married her anyway. And he had to hide the debit card. He had to hide the credit card. He had to hide the checks books. She found a way somehow to spend the money and, and they, didn't, they didn't have. And one day he looked in the, got online and looked and saw that they didn't have enough money to pay their house payment because she had gone and spent every penny of their mortgage payment at Victoria's Secrets. And he started digging through and found all the stuff. And uh, she comes home with her best friend and they're walking in the door and he's standing there. And this was that straw that broke the camel's back moment. And he's just, he's, I don't know how to handle it. He's just said, I can't live like this. We can't pay our mortgage payment right now because of you. We can't seem, and he's just looking, he goes, why, why, why? And then he found something out that her best friend was with her when she spent all that money. And he looked at her and he said, how could you dare let this happen? You know her problem. Why would you go to the mall with her? Why would you say you and and then look at all this. You didn't even try. By the way, let me say that is that if you really love somebody, you don't let them kill themselves, right? If you really love somebody, you got to try to help them. And that's what the Bible warns about. Don't be with them when they're doing that. Don't let that be who you and I are. Proverbs 28, verse 7 says this He who keeps the law is a discerning son, but he who is the companion of gluttons humiliates his father. In other words, when you're just caught up in that and caught up in that and don't do something to stop it, you're not showing love. In Titus chapter 1, verse 12, this verse to me, I think it's funny. You may not think it's funny. I think this is funny. One of them themselves, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. (laughs) Okay, I'm the only one. I think that's hilarious. He goes, You know what? They are liars, man. Those are a bunch of liars. And they're gluttons, they're lazy. He said, For this reason, reprove them severely so that they may be sound in the faith. Um, he said, I, I want you to help put a check on it. I want you to help put a stop to it. I want you to try to make a difference. Uh, Years ago, I was the next-gen pastor at Christ Church of the Valley in San Dimas and loved my ministry, loved my life, loved what God was doing. And then the elders came to me and said, we want you to be the next senior pastor. And by the way, real quick, I, I didn't want to do it, but the Lord orchestrated it. So I end up going ready to enter that position. Well, I was smart enough to know I needed to learn things I didn't know. I need to get around people who could help me. And so one of the people I, I, I knew of him but did not know him was a man named Gene Apple, who today I would consider one of my very best friends. So Gene at that time was the, uh, uh, the senior pastor of uh, Central Christian Church in uh, Las Vegas, and I called Gene up, and, and I said, hey Gene, is there any way I could get some time with you? I'm going to enter this new life. I, I just would love you to mentor me. And Gene said, come on out, and he carved out the time, and Pam and I went to Vegas. And then Gene and I went to go out to lunch, and I'll never forget, we went to Macaroni Grill. Uh, this was back when, do you guys remember they used to have the paper tablecloth that they used to write on? Anybody remember that? So uh, we, we sit down to have lunch, Gene and I, and uh, what happens is we're talking, and they come out and they do their little bit of writing, and then we order, we order, and then Gene leans back in the chair, and he grabs those crayons, and he begins to draw things and talk to me. And he said, Chuck, there's two things I know I need to tell you. Number one, how are you doing about being in the word of God? And, uh, and, and I said, I, I think I'm doing pretty good. And he said, uh, I want to tell you, you're about to enter a, a, a type of ministry, a way of life that is more stressful than you know. You're, you've never had stress like you're about to have, so you're going to need God's word. And he said, are you in the word every day? And I said, to be honest, I think probably five days a week. He said, nope, you're going to make it every day. So he wrote, be in the word. And by the way, from that day on, I made a commitment never, ever not to have a day. I was not in God's word and meeting with God. And that was 6,650 days ago. I, I've not missed a day. And you might ask, why do you keep count? I keep count because I want to make sure I don't miss a day. And today was the 50 day. I think that's kind of cool. Then he did this. He wrote on the tablecloth, your weight. And he looked at me, he said, you can't be as heavy as you are and do the job you're going to need to do. Chuck, you got to do something about it. By the way, I had already ordered. (laughs) A lot. The trio. And he got a salad. I want to be honest. I, I just, maybe you already know. I felt so embarrassed. I felt so ashamed. But he didn't do it to shame me. Do you know what you call a man who would do that with you? You call a man, that's a friend. That's a friend, yeah. And uh, you know what, I, I still am fighting the battle, um, but I probably weighed about 250 at that time, 240, and I made a commitment. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go above 220, and by the way, I'm not even, uh, I've actually lowered that to 210 and then 200, and, and it's still a battle. But I, I want you to know a friend was a good enough friend to tell me, don't be that way. He reproved me. And you know what? Is, I, I praise God for someone who would do that for me. We're in a world today where we need to help people. By the way, every year, 60% of Americans set a goal to lose weight and 90% fail. Matter of fact, they fail so badly, they gain weight instead of lose weight. There was a study done that's so intriguing. Get ready for this. It was a study of people whose hearts were in danger of or they were suffering from heart disease because of being obese. And there were 600,000 of them that needed heart surgery because of that. 1.3 million needed an angioplasty because of being overweight. All, all were counseled to change or die by having better diet and better exercise. And 90% did not change. And in that study, 540,000 people shortly died. When we say this is a deadly sin, it's a deadly sin. Now, out of that study, a doctor from UCLA did another study about why 90% fail. And he found out that if two factors were true, they would actually 70% would change. Uh, In other words, they went from 90% failure to 70% success if two things could be true in someone's lifestyle. What are those two things? Don't miss this. One, the change had to be radical. Uh, You can't ease into it. You can't say tomorrow, the next day, next month. Uh, You had to make a radical decision now, and you had to do it in a radical way. You couldn't baby step into it. Uh, And that was number one. Number two, the change must occur in community. Uh, And you had to be willing to get with other people and say, here's the commitment I made. And even better, can we do this together? Why is one of the biggest reason Weight Watchers is successful? Why? It's because of community. Uh, uh, And they are very successful. Uh, and the other groups are successful, but it really makes a difference when you have that. And by the way, what helped me get to where I'm at, and, and again, I'm just going to get it out there, could I be better? Yes, and I want to be better, was that I have a group of friends who, who asked me about it, who hold me accountable. See, we need to understand that. We need to understand that we've got to do that. Now, by the way, the Bible actually talks about making those kind of radical decisions. Uh, I love this. And if you study Proverbs, in Proverbs, there's what's called the 30 sayings of the wise. Uh, 30 sayings of the wise. And number seven of the 37 uh, of the 30 sayings is found in Proverbs 23, verse 1, where it says, When you sit down to dine with the ruler, note well what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you're given to gluttony. In other words, he said, you make a radical decision not to, not to overeat. You don't give in. You don't try to ease in. you got to put a knife to your throat. And when you do, you move from gluttony to a, an incredible virtue called temperance. Now, what is temperance? Temperance is the practice of always controlling your actions. Now, I think that's interesting. Always controlling your actions, thoughts, or feelings so that you do not eat or drink too much become too angry, etc. So temperance, just like gluttony, has to do with not overeating, but it also has to do with more. If I'm a glutton in feeding my anger, then I gotta, I gotta have temperance. Uh, In my spending, I want to have temperance. In all those things, God wants us to have that. And so what I need to do is I need to make a radical decision to change, and I need to do it in community. Uh, But I'm going to give you two other things you need to do. Uh, Number one, you've got to recognize the enemy. You've got to recognize the enemy. And so there is an enemy that's trying to, to take you down in this area to create death and not life. And in John 10, verse 10, it says this, Jesus said the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, here's what I don't want you to miss. When I am living correctly, when I am practicing temperance and not gluttony, my life is richer. And by the way, literally richer. I'm saving money. And it's way more satisfying. Food tastes better. When I practice this, uh, I am someone who, when I give in to gluttony, I eat and eat to the point it doesn't even taste good and doesn't feel good anymore. Now, not everybody here can identify with that, but some can. You know what it's like. You're sitting on the couch saying, why did I eat that? Yeah. You know, you know that's your problem when your pants groan when you walk into the room. You know? You know? But I know I'm not alone. 42.4% of people in the United States right now are obese. The population that is in danger of becoming the most obese is our children. Why? Because there's an enemy out there that is seeking to steal and kill and destroy and we are in the midst of causing this not just for us but our children. They are saying that the generation we have before us right now, Generation Z, should be called the diabetic generation because so many are going to have diabetes. Uh, By the way, the number one producer of sugar in children is the bread we do because of the way it's processed. And salts. Uh, a doctor I read uh, said this, Warner Kooten, Noop is his name. He said, we are poisoning our children, poisoning our children with the amount of sugar and salt we're giving to them. Now, and by the way, he's not saying that and, and just to be uh, uh, sensational. He said, genuinely, we've reached a place they're being poisoned. You can't have too much sugar and not be poisoned from it. Can't have too much salt and not be poisoned. By the way, alcohol poisons too. Does everybody know that, right? And so what happens is we need to be aware that that's what's going on. And when you start thinking about this thief, this thief's strategy is so maniacal and so insidious. Satan, Satan is getting ourselves to eat ourselves into a place of heart disease and diabetes. Satan is taking away our energy. Satan is taking away years from our life. By the way, we know it takes away years from people's lives. And Satan is getting people to spin their way into death so they can't live and they can't give the way that God would want you to. And I want to say this, Craig alluded to it. I think one of the new strategies of the devil's binge watching. Well, I'll watch one more show and another show and another show and I'll wake up the next day dead tired. And to the point now, I'm not even enjoying the show. Um, and if you're a binge watcher that's in excess, then I want to say you probably can't remember what was in some of those shows. You just, and it just can't stop. And that more and more and more and more mentality is hurting people badly. So recognize the enemy. And the enemy is is infected our culture so that we are very in debt, we're very overweight, we lack energy, we lack vitality, and, and we're not living that rich and satisfying life that God wants us to have. Number two, make a radical decision to cut out what needs to be cut out. Uh, you and I need to understand that is what the Bible teaches. So again, go back to Proverbs 23.1. It says, put a knife to your throat. Cut it out completely. Uh, you know what? If you right now uh, need to do it, you get plastic surgery. Do you know what I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about on your face? I'm saying get those credit cards and cut them up. Yeah, just cut them up. And, uh, and you know what? Make the hard call. Make the hard call to do that. Uh, and that's what Daniel did. Notice what it says in Daniel chapter 1. Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with wine, which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. I, I, why do I bring this first up? Notice Daniel had to make a mindset. Uh, a complete decision, a radical decision to say, I will not defile myself. I will not defile myself. And so that's what Daniel did. And in Romans chapter 12, we're told this. It says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present Your bodies, a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And then it says "And do not be conformed to this world, a world of debt, a world of excess, a world of overeating, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And so God wants me, but this is my area of sin and some of you. To say, make a radical decision to say no to this. Make a radical decision not to let this master your life. Uh, A passage of scripture that's been very helpful to me. And again, I'm fighting the battle. I'm going to keep saying that. But it's in 1 Corinthians 9.24 where it says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run but only one receives the prize? Then he says, run in such a way that you may win. And then it goes on to say, everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. By the way, for me, the gluttony is not just in eating, it's also in spending. By the way, are you ready? This will surprise some of you. It's also in gift giving. Because I can't, you know, I, you might, my grandkids, I tell Pam, all right, this year they're getting one gift. I can't think of a year that's actually lived out. And by the way, does that make them better people to overload them with stuff, what, what would be? No. And, and I, I don't just do that with my grandkids, I, I, I do it with friends. Um, it's just too much, you know, more, more, more. It goes, they then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. Therefore I run in such a way as not without aim, I box in such a way as not beating the air, But I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. And so we need to do that. We need to do that. By the way, uh, let me just tell you this. I'll give you kind of a a heads up. Next week, we're not ready right this second. But next week, we're going to unveil an opportunity for any of you to uh, get what is uh, a, 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 a tool from Dave Ramsey. Uh, And it's a a Financial Peace University Plus app that you can get for free that will will help guide you in the area of finances. Uh, And I want you to have it. I want you to have it so that you can live a better life, a more godly life, uh, a more disciplined life, and a rich and satisfying life. And you can practice the greatest joy that you'll ever have. In the moment, it's not. But in the long term, it is. It's called delayed gratification. Uh, It's a part of discipleship. In Matthew 16, Jesus said these words. Jesus said, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. Now, here's what's so interesting. In denying yourself, everything gets better and then take up his cross and follow me. And then walking with the cross with Jesus, everything gets better. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for uh, for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Um, I shared this on Wednesday night, but um, I got COVID, I think, you, if you didn't know that, I got COVID. Two years, I went not getting it, and then I finally got it. But the shock was this. I, I took a drink of Diet Pepsi that morning, and it tasted good. Then I started feeling really sick, and then I grabbed a Diet Pepsi and took a drink, and it tasted way better. And here's where I'm going. I, I know that i probably one of the very few. Every, when I got COVID, everything tasted better. I mean, everything. Salty things, sweet things, hamburger, everything. Salad. I told Pam, man, this is COVID's awesome. <laughs> and, um, you know, Craig alluded to it before, but it really is true. When you taste and see the Lord is good, everything gets better. Yeah, everything gets better. So when I'm eating correctly, food tastes better, not worse. When I'm eating correctly, I feel better, not worse. When I am exercising, I, I feel more energy. I think better. I'm more focused. I, um, when I practice discipline with my time, every moment becomes something more special. When I wait for something and pay Cash for it, I love it more. You see, that, that's the thing. You know, if you said, Chuck, is it about, okay, that's it? I'm not going to have anything. No, I'm telling you, you're going to have everything in a better way. It just might take a while to get there. But you're going to like it better. Uh, one of my ways to practice a spiritual discipline that helps me in the area of gluttony is called Fasting. And you know what? Every time I get done with the fast, everything tastes better. And uh, I want to say this. You ready? It's not that you should not practice discipline. It's not that you're not going to have challenges. It's not you're not going to endure pain. But if you practice what God tells you to do, you'll have the strength in those moments you need and your life will be better and you'll be a better person. So let me ask you a question. Do you want to be better? Do you want to live better? Wasn't it interesting that the Bible says that number one, you call on the name of the Lord to be saved. And number two, you make a radical commitment to follow him. And right now I'm gonna ask you, whether you're here or online or on the patio, to pray a prayer with me if you're ready to say, I want better. I want better. I wanna give myself to Jesus. I wanna truly deny myself and follow him. I really wanna be his. Some of you, this is your moment to do that for the very first time. Some of you, it's a recommitment. But say, I want to be better. Some of you, by the way, are in a marriage. You know what? Don't try to ease into getting better. Make a radical commitment to put Jesus at the very center. Follow him completely and watch your marriage change. Some of you need to to pray this prayer and say, Lord, I'm, I'm ready for that. I'm ready for that. I want the better. I want the better. Do you want the better? Jesus said the thief wants to kill you, steal from you, and destroy you. He said, but I've come so you could have a rich and satisfying life, so you could have the better. So if you want that, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me and say I want the better. Then you've got to make that radical commitment known in a community. And how do you do that? If you're online, I'm going to have you text amen to 77247 or go to CrossroadsChurch.Family and and check. I said yes, but don't hold back. If you're online, make sure you do it. Make sure you don't just sit there alone. Do it in community with us so we can support you. But if you're here after we pray the prayer, whether you're here on the patio, I'm gonna ask you to, when we stand up after the prayer, I'm gonna ask you to make your way to an aisle or the stairs. And walk down here and and let us greet you and head in this room called the living room. If you're on the patio, come in the building. Now, why do you do that? Well, isn't it interesting? That's how you make a radical decision and you do it in community. And those are the two things that create change. Let's pray. Lord, I know you love us with a love that's an everlasting love. And that's real and powerful and amazing and true. And you call us, Lord, to uh, the, the better life, not the easier life, but the better life. And I pray today for anybody who would just be honest uh, about the need in their life and the need in, in their lifestyle like I have, that we would call out and say, we need you. Some need you in their marriage. Some need you in their professional life. Some need you in their finances. Some need you, Lord, uh, in, in saying no to that thing that's hurting and harming them and maybe hurting and harming others in their world. They need you. It's time for the better life. It's time for the better life. And I pray they're gonna pray the prayer and I pray they're gonna come. If that's you right now, pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me and you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and pain. And I pray you'll make me yours and yours completely. Make me yours completely. I say yes to you and I say yes to the life you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen if you prayed that prayer. Thanks again for joining us. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we hope you'll text amen to 77247 so we can provide you with the resources to help you on this journey. If this message resonated with you or you need prayer for something, would you let us know in the comments below? Our team reads every comment that comes through, and we love interacting with you. If this message added value to your life, click the subscribe button and turn on post notifications so that you'll never miss out on a new message. We're live on Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. right here online and Sundays at 9 a.m. and on demand anytime after that. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.